Hi, this is Michael Martin, President and CEO of the National Wood Flooring Association. I'm here on the Real Answers Podcast with our friend Chris Zizza out in Boston, and we're going to talk about a couple of things today. First thing I thought we'd address is right before the, the Memorial Day holiday, Install, which is an organization for the floor installation contractor or union, released the following safety protocols. There are seven of them that I thought were really good tips. I know most people are moving past the opening up phase going back into sort of some new normal, but I thought these tips are really good. There's some of them I hadn't heard, so I thought they were maybe a good thing to kind of share with everybody. Um, So Chris, if you don't mind, I'm going to share those before we we talk about what's been going on with you. No, go right ahead. I'm all ears. Good afternoon, by the way. Yeah, right on. (laughs) All right. So tip number one, provide the proper tools for employees to practice good hygiene. So everyone on the job site must follow CDC guidelines for hand hygiene, cough, and sneeze etiquette. Be sure to provide hand-washing stations equipped with disposable towels and touchless trash receptacles. If soap and water are unavailable, provide hand sanitizer. And I know that's something we've talked about several times on the podcast, um, and you had some innovative ideas with how to do those things, Chris. So thanks for sharing with those with us. Tip number two, practice social distancing throughout the entire job site. They talk about taking breaks and shifts of 10 people or less, um, only with your own trade, that sort of thing. Elevators should be limited to five people or less and workers should be encouraged to take the stairs if possible. Again, trying to keep out of close contact with one another. Tip number three, ask screening questions before allowing employees on the job site. Designate a trained and qualified individual to take employee temperatures. There are some key questions here. Has anyone in the household been in close contact with someone who is in the screening process or has already tested positive? Uh, Number two, have they been required by a medical professional to self-quarantine? Are they having trouble breathing, or have they had any flu-like symptoms in the past 48 hours? If an employee answers yes to any of those questions and requests, they leave the job site immediately. In addition, conducting a temperature screening with every worker before allowing them on the job site is another way to help prevent the spread. Designate an employee to use a non-contact medical-grade digital thermometer. If a worker has a temperature of 100.4 or higher, they should be sent home immediately. Uh, Moving on to tip number four, do not share tools, mobile devices, or office supplies. Make sure all workers have their own tools and supplies to perform work. Mobile devices should be limited to one per user, and if workers need to share tools, they should be disinfected prior to use. Tip number five, create a schedule to disinfect frequently touched surfaces. Clean job site offices and break rooms at least two times a day. Make sure leasing companies disinfect job site toilets at least two times per week. Any employee performing cleaning tasks needs to have a proper personal protective equipment, PPE, as specified by the disinfectant. Making disinfecting wipes available to all employees for cleaning is also recommended. Tip number six, do not use a common water cooler. Because COVID-19 can live on surfaces for several days, limiting cross-contamination on common objects can decrease the likelihood of spreading the virus. Provide individual water bottles or instruct workers to bring their own water bottles. Tip number seven, instruct workers to consider changing their clothes before returning home. It is estimated that COVID-19 can live on fabrics for around 24 hours. Encourage employees to change into a different set of clothes before returning your home and wash job site clothing in hot water and soap. Footwear should be specific to the job site and not worn at home. So there's just seven tips that we ran across that I thought might be useful. What do you think, Chris? I mean, I agree. All those tips are useful. Um, You know, we we said all along, you know, what's going to be the new normal? How are we going to act? Think things are you know, feeling like they're getting back to normal. The funny thing today, going out and exercising these COVID practices, if you will, you know, I'm walking up to the house, ringing the doorbell with the mask on. And I had four appointments today with different homeowners and they each one 
responded a little differently. Um, two of them were like, you don't need that mask here. And I'm like, okay, if you're good with it, I'm good with it. I said, you know, our level of, of professionalism, if you will, is going to be, we're going to do what's being asked of us. And then if my customer is more comfortable with me popping that mask down, guess what? I'm popping it down. Cause I, cause I'm super comfortable. I'm good here. So that's, that's just my own personal opinion, I guess. Well, let me ask you a question about that though. I mean, I understand you as a business owner, you can make that decision for yourself without any liability, but would you ask an employee who is going into a home site uh, to wear their mask any, any way? Is that a company policy or is that really up to the customer? No. So it is a policy that we're, we're, the procedures we're covering right now, or rather our policy is we're still one guy in a truck. Uh, we're investigating whether or not we can have two guys in a truck if they're wearing face masks. So that's an internal dialogue right now that's happening. We have not made that decision. Um, so we're still sending one person per truck and they're required to wear masks. Now, if while they're there, um, the homeowner is good without the mask, I'm, I'm leaving it up to the individual. Gotcha. I'm still in the camp of we're mature adults that can make mature decisions, but I'm not going to put anyone, you know, t- directly put them at risk on purpose. We're still trying to work in a home that's empty, you know, that the homeowners are not there. We're asking for that, but we're not demanding it. So the other day I showed up on a job. My crew was there. Um, I know they had masks on when they went in and then they were working and the homeowner was super comfortable. I walked in with my mask on. I had to look at some patchwork and sure enough, you know, she's like, Oh, I'm good with that. So I I guess you're just going to gauge it. Every customer is going to be different. While what we're doing may seem lax to some of you out there, the day still starts every day the same way. We take everybody's temperature. We ask and inquire about anyone having any kind of signs. Uh, We had one employee last week uh, that was out sick for two days, and we were on him about all his symptoms. And one employee was like, are you going to have him tested? And we're like, if we deem it necessary to test him, we're going to test him. Turns out he had food poisoning from some bad fish. Um, <laughs> but it sent the bells and the whistles out there. So that's that's how we're going to be. We're going to be responsive to my employees' needs and my customers' needs, but I'm not going to be an alarmist. So... What else is going on? We're getting busy. Uh, I know we talked about Thought Leader Thursday going to uh, every couple weeks, I think it was. Has a decision been made on that yet? Well, we talked about it in the, indiv- in the individual groups, and I think we'll make a decision on this Thursday's call. Okay. So because um, whether we do it every other week, once a month, doesn't matter to me. I just like that we're doing it because – a group of us from the most recent couple of weeks of Thought Leader Thursday have been talking about the leave behind that I'm doing. And so I actually sent it out to a few of the guys to get their opinions. And I am beyond grateful. They're all saying the same thing in these emails, that it's really good that a bunch of professionals can collaborate with each other and, and not sit there feeling, I guess the word is competitive towards each other. And I'm loving it. You know, uh, I'm getting sound advice. 
I'll, I'll put a shout out right now and a thank you to to Lenny, uh, Lenny Hall down in, in Miami. So l- let me tell you one of the things that we're working on as a leave behind, because I think we all deal with this out there in the industry. And that is why us and not them or and when I say us, I mean, all of the flooring professionals out there that are trying to do it the right way, trying to carry the right insurance, try and give the best benefits you can to your employees. Essentially, I don't want to make a joke of it, but run a real company opposed to being a trunk slammer with no overhead and destroy and destroying the, the pricing out there. When you're quoting up against a trunk slammer, um, and I apologize if that term offends anybody, but a trunk slammer is somebody who just throws whatever tools he has in the trunk of the car and calls himself a wood floor guy. Well, that's not CNR flooring, but I do have to quote against those guys at times. And so we, we started this pretty much why us uh, or, or what Lenny called the us versus them and the 10 reasons. And we covered all these great reasons. And what I wanted to do is just give you guys some thoughts on what they were. You know, we talked about how we've got the proper insurance in place and how you're not going to have to chase us for an insurance certificate at the end of the year when you know all our builders are always chasing insurance certificates. And we talked about that we're reliable, that we're actually going to show up, that our team comes to a headquarters in the morning, reports in, gets their assignment, and gets sent out, Um, that we have the latest technology in in dustless. Uh, We called ourselves a real company that has standard business practices. You know, I joke with my builders all the time, and I say, you're not going to have to write a check directly to my distributor because I don't have credit. If we are under contract, I already have credit with my distributor, and you're going to have credit with me, Mr. Builder. And we talk about that, and we talk about how our our trucks are current and reliable. I mean, these are the things that you want to point out, the the pains of a builder who has to hire a, a wood flooring company that tends to disappear if there's a problem. Again, that's not us. We don't disappear. And we talk a little bit about how... We use quality products, and we're region-specific on where our oak comes from, and that our guys are certified. I know on, you know, we're NWFA certified, uh, we're bonus certified, a few of them are lagless certified, so we get the certifications and keep up with education, and then we're using our relationships with distributors and manufacturers. If you've got a subdivision, we work at getting you a model home program put in place. So all of those things, to some of you out there, might just sound like a list of Zizza trying to say, oh, look at how cool we are. Wrong. It's not that at all. It's a list of the things that all of us that are running professional hardwood flooring companies do every day as a standard practice. But I recommend we put them down on paper and show our builders the difference. And... I'm telling you, through the collaboration of Thought Leader Thursday and Virtual Expo and other things that have happened in the last you know, few years, I've gotten together with so many different guys. And people have input. They're going through the same thing we are. And if it wasn't for that network that the NWFA provides, I, I would not have the caliber, caliber of paperwork that I'm about to distribute to my builders, 
to our find a frame clients, to our homeowners. This is a leave behind so that when I'm gone, you know, you don't, your husband, maybe the husband wasn't there. And I only talked to Mrs. Jones. Well, the husband comes home and he's going to read through my literature. That's how you're going to stand out from your competitor. Well, there certainly are a lot of good tips in there, Chris. I think there's a, one of the things that um, I think is the, one of the best benefits and values of NWFA is that you can build your own group of peers from around the country, so you're non-competitors, and you can share those types of business things with each other. Um, and you also get to pick who's in your group and, and who's not. So it can be end up being a group of friends that you actually trust and can, uh, can share things with across the, across the globe, for that matter. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the guys that I'm collaborating with right now are in New York, Miami, Detroit, Kansas City, so, and, and Boston. So, you know, our ideas are not going to hurt each other. And not that it would hurt even if the guy was right down the street in my own market. Um, I collaborate often with Jay from JJ Hardwood Floors, and he's two towns away, but he's a professional. So I'm not worried about collaborating with him. We're not, we're not conspiring on pricing. We're usually asking, it's, it's almost always advice about processes between the guys and, and your trucks and what about this and, you know, who's your insurance provider, those kind of things. I don't care if you are in, you know, the next town over or the other side of the country, I think we're all working towards the same goal. I, I got an email today, uh, coincidentally, that came across from a wood floor guy out west. And he said, uh, attended the NWFA Virtual Expo, which he loved, by the way, asking for a copy of our presentation spreadsheet, which I've sent out to so many people. And I'm going to send this one out to this gentleman as well. But he writes that he's been a member now of the NWFA for about seven years. He's almost 40. And um, he's looking for some advice on how does he think he can get his company to that next level. Uh, there are two truck operation. And what he writes is, the problem I'm having is in marketing my business because we live in a smaller market and we have quite a bit of competition. I get it. You're, you're in a smaller market. and But the truth is, in every market, regardless of the size of the market or how many competitors you have, what you need to be is something I've always said over and over again, and that's you need to be the best professional you can. The The irony of this email being written saying, how do I do the next step in marketing? Well, look at what we just talked about, the, you know, the top 10 reasons why a builder should hire my company over your company. You need to come up with those but then you also need to provide that level of service. And there's another thing, and I've said it before, Michael. I don't think I've said it recently, and I'm not sure I've ever said it to you. But you have to be used to being a top-level professional. I had a friend of mine. We were playing golf, and I blew up. I was supposed to break 80, and I didn't because I blew up thinking I was going to break 80. I'm like, oh, I only got two holes to go. I got a 73. There's no way I'm going to throw up. Uh, you know, I, I can do this. Well, long story short, I got two bogeys and I didn't break 80. And my friend looks at me and he says, you can't get used to playing good golf, Chris, until you're used to playing good golf. I know that sounds stupid, but what it means is until you can calm down and realize exactly the situation you're in, 
you're going to freak out every time on the golf course and not break 80. By the way, I do break 80 now. Um, however, in the business room, you can't get used to selling the high end until you're used to selling the high end. It's the same principle. And believe me when I tell you this should apply to all of us. The customer needs to know that you have the ability, the knowledge, and the confidence to do the job that they're looking for. And when you portray that you have those three things, you can charge the price you need to charge for them. And that's the truth. So remember this. You can't get used to selling high-end until you're used to selling in the high-end. It's just how it is, guys. Trust me. Well, Chris, I think that makes a lot of sense even for a non-golfer like me. So I think that wraps up our time for today. And I appreciate you being with us. And we'll talk to you again on the next Real Answers podcast. You got it. My pleasure to be here, guys. Keep it real. Keep it safe out there, man. It's a crazy world. 